Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtics Beat. It is Saturday, October 18th. Dr. Andre Snelling with me. I am Jared Weiss. What's up, Dre? How's it going? All right, let's get these live reads out of the way first before we go to our fantastic interview with Mark Roberts, a fantasy basketball expert. It it was a long interview and it was an amazing interview. You're going to really enjoy it. But first, we got to tell you about our big giveaway we're doing. We need you guys to show us some love, and we're going to show you way bigger love. So review, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher for Celtics Beat, and then we're going to draw a winner. And they are going to win two tickets to a Celtics game this season. I, I literally don't know what possibly better gift can you get as a Celtics fan than two free tickets to go to a game. We'll have the ghost of Red Hour back come and light up a cigar with you after the game's over. It's going to be an awesome experience. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so for the YouTube page, we got to tell you about that. I am the curator of the YouTube page, and if you want exclusive content this year, tired of five-second sound bites, and you want to get a lot of great content, look no further than the CLNS Radio YouTube page so you get exclusive content unedited from the Celtics locker room and much more. Subscribe today. You can go to our Patreon page and make a donation and make a pledge to us that you can get premium VIP board member status and get full access to all of our content. And if you just want to watch the Garden Report and get the best of the locker room, you can go right over to our YouTube page. Oh, yeah. And um, I get to talk about one of the best things about the uh, upcoming NBA season. Celtics fans, it's back. The Garden Report with Locker Room Reporter Jared Weiss. Watch Jared following every Celtics game this year at the TD Garden and in high definition on the CLNS YouTube channel. It's simply the best Celtics postgame coverage, period. No, I've never watched that show, but it definitely sounds like a great show. I'm going to watch. I'm probably going to like and comment and uh, tweet that guy also. Uh, but 
it's something that I get to appear on every time I'm at the Celtics game, and that's the post-game show on CLNS Radio. It may be the dawning of a new age in Celtics basketball, but it's the same post-game coverage that you've grown to expect from us. The Celtics post-game show is back following every regular and postseason game. CLNS will be taking your calls and featuring live reports from the TD Garden. Oh, that's what I do. And the Celtics post-game show is only on CLNS Radio. When I think of Dwight Howard, I think of a guy that puts up around 20 points a game. His field goal percentage is through the roof. His blocks are really high, and his rebounds are pretty much in tops in the league almost every year. It, it's You wouldn't think that free throw percentage would be such a kind of detrimental factor to his fantasy value. Yeah, so it really depends on the kind of fantasy you're playing. Um, there's uh, what they call points-based fantasy, which is where every point you get is worth a certain amount of fantasy points, every rebound, every assist, you know, and, and it's an additive thing. Mm-hmm. So generally in that kind of format, he's pretty good. But if you're in a rotisserie fantasy league, which is probably the most popular way to play uh, fantasy basketball right now, um, the way that works is just you have eight categories or nine categories, and in each category you're scored one to 12 if you're in a 12-man league um, based on who's the best and who's the worst. And so... If you have Dwight Howard on your fantasy team and he's taking 10 free throws a game and making 58% of them, um, you're guaranteed almost to get a one in that category. And so if you're trying to win the league, it's hard enough, you know, to, to, to get a high enough point total across the board. But if you're starting out with essentially a dead last in the category, um, even being good in those other areas, it's difficult to overcome that. Well, it's funny. So I'm glad that I'm hosting this fantasy-focused episode because I haven't done fantasy basketball in a while, probably in a few years. <laughs> and and you know, the thing is, is I always say, tell myself I'm going to do fantasy before the season starts. And then all of a sudden the season starts and I realize I never actually signed up for a fantasy. <laughs> now, I do football hardcore, but basketball, it's it was basketball is a lot more work. And it, it would actually be ideal for me to do it because it would help me stay on the beat around the league, seeing what mm-hmm. the numbers are is putting up but for me i feel like fantasy is always dehumanized the way that i watch the game and i feel like i couldn't do it because of basketball and i think one of the ways that you see that illustrated is the way that i always criticize dwight howard because i feel like his on-court product doesn't match his stat sheet product while you're saying it's kind of the opposite there where he actually looks better on court than when you really break it down to hardcore fantasy numbers he looks worse on the stat sheet yeah, I mean, and, and Dwight Howard's kind of a unique case for that, um, just because it's, you know, we should actually call it the Shaq rule, because when I started playing fantasy basketball, um, Shaq was the poster child for this. He was a dominant player, just outstanding across the board, but he shot even more free throws and shot even worse from the line than Howard did. So it was always this conundrum. It's like, okay, this guy Shaq's the best player in the world. In real life, he's the best player in the world. But if he's on your rotisserie team, then you're going to have to be – it's really difficult. You, you have to, to think hard about how to build your team to be able to succeed when you have that kind of anchor on, on any one category. And so um, Howard is, is kind of the new generation of that. You know, him and Shaq have been fighting over Superman. They, they really should have been fighting over uh, rotisserie anchor status because, uh, <laughs> like, Dwight took the baton from, from Shaq and is kind of running with him on that. So, um, you know – and, and again, it's a combo of the volume and the percentage. Like, there are some players that I like. Like, for instance, this year I really like um, Andre Drummond uh, from, from the Pistons. And he shoots even worse from the line than Howard does. 
but he doesn't shoot that many free throws. You know, if somebody's shooting 40% from the line, but they only take four free throws a game, it's not good, but your team can overcome it. But if, you know, Howard is the leading free throw shooter in the league as far as volume and also the worst, you know, that that's what's hard to overcome. You know, and the thing is, I mean, these guys, it's funny how the, a lot of the time their field goal percentage will be better than their free throw percentage. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you made the good point that, um, you know, Howard does bring good things to the table. He has a good effect on your field goal percentage, your rebounds, your block shots. But the difference is if he's the, you know, he's not going to win you those categories by, by himself. He'll help you there, but you'll still need other good rebounders or other good shot blockers um, in order to, to win those categories, whereas he can essentially lose you free throws by himself. Um, it, it, it's, it's just a, a more limited commodity as far as um, the number of players. Like In order for you to be able to overcome having somebody like him as a free throw shooter, you would have to have like Kevin Durant and... Um, you know, or like Clay Thompson. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Guys who shoot ninety percent from the line, but also shoot a lot of free throws to to help counter it, counteract it. To be fair, I mean, everybody would want Kevin Durant, right? Doesn't really matter who else you have on your team. Kevin Durant is oh, yeah. probably your priority there. Oh yeah, is yeah, Durant yeah. Still the number one fantasy player. He was very much in the argument until this injury. Yes. Um, the the injury, you know, slides him down the list, and how far he drops is really kind of up to the eye of the beholder. Um, right now, I would say that a Anthony Davis, um, uh, and uh, uh, Rich would love to hear that, but but Anthony Davis is, is far and away the number one player in fantasy in my eyes right now. Um, LeBron, I think, is still probably the best real-life player in the NBA, and, and he's a good fantasy player but, or producer, but we don't really know what the dynamic's going to be in Cleveland this year. Um, he'll be trying to, you know, mesh with these other talents and – and LeBron also is now, I think, more focused on postseason success. So, and I mean, heck, he's 30, <laughs> the ripe old age of 30, but still, you know, he's 30 with a lot of miles on him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss, sit out a couple games for, for rest as the, the year goes along. Whereas Anthony Davis is young and hungry. You know, he's right now, he's never been to the playoffs. So the regular season is his championship. He's, he's coming out and, and, you know, trying to explode every night. And then on top of that, He's got this unique skill set for fantasy where in, in rotisserie, the categories that are hardest to get are block shots and steals, um, maybe three-pointers as well. But within Anthony Davis, you get the best shot blocker in the league who's also excellent at steals for a big man. He shoots good percentages from the field and the line. He's a good scorer. He rebounds a lot. He even gets decent assists for a center. So it's he almost has no weaknesses there. All right, now last thing here, you got to get the 411 on CLNS Radio daily. Get it delivered right to your email box. It's the CLNS eblast. So text CLNS fans to 22828 and stay informed on shows, guests, contests, and much, much more. It's the CLNS eblast. Text CLNS fans to 22828. Do it now. I want you to put the phone down and do it right now, and then you pick it back up and keep listening to us. All right, so let's go into our interview with Mark Roberts. It's, it's a fantastic interview. We talked about the kind of just like fantasy theory. We talked about Celtics players. Some really uh, One Celtics player that I was shocked to find out is actually on a per-possession basis one of the most valuable players in all of fantasy. So you're going to really enjoy this interview. 
And we are now with Mark Roberts, basketball analyst at rotowire.com. You can find him on Twitter at Mark F. Roberts. Mark Roberts, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So you're a fantasy basketball expert, and I want to hear your elevator pitch for what fantasy <laughs> basketball is and why our listeners should be playing, which I am not right now, but I'm about to be after this conversation. Good. Well, hopefully we can talk into it a little bit. So, I mean, fantasy basketball, a lot of people are familiar with football. It's kind of similar. It's a game that you can play with your friends or your family, and it's centered around the NBA. So, you know, you get the stats from the NBA players, and certain players are on your team, and certain players are on your opponent's team, and you kind of total those stats up, and at the end of the week or end of the season, however your game's set up, whoever has the best stats wins. So, Mark, in order for Rotowire to give advice on who um, you should take on your, for your fantasy teams, um, they first have to project how every player in the NBA is going to play this year. That's hundreds of, of players, and, and I know from experience um, that, can, that that type of projection can be difficult to do. So this year you were the one to do those projections. How do you tackle something like that? Well, I mean, it was especially hard because – Andre, you you used to do this, and uh, you have some pretty big shoes to fill out Rotowire. Oh well, thank you. I'll pay you the twenty bucks after the interview. <laughs> uh, so the way that we look at it is, we take all of the all of the players' stats from the previous seasons, and we strip out their playing time, and we strip out their the pace that their team plays at. So we get to look at their stats on a on a possession by possession basis. So, for example, Kevin Durant. Is a really good scorer. He might score, you know, 35 to 40 points in a hundred possession span, and we would we would look at that sort of a stat for all of the different players. Um, we kind of aggregate those together for past seasons, and then we want to not only look at what's happened in the past, but we also want to project them for some development. So players at the beginning of their career continue to get a little bit better and better, and players at the end of their career. Uh, kind of slowly decline. And so for players, so if we're, if we're projecting a single player, we'll look at uh, similar players to that, that person uh, and what they've done historically, you know, if they play the same position or if they, or if they're at the same point in their career and what happened, did their points per possession go up? And if, if kind of on average that did, then we, we would project an increase for that player. And likewise, if it went, you know, the, the similar players got a little bit worse the next season, then we would project a decrease. Um, and so we try to get a projection for every player on a, on a possession-by-possession basis. And then the, the next part to go in, that goes into our projections is, is making a, a prediction of how, much, how many minutes they're going to play each game. And that's really, I mean, anybody that's played fantasy basketball knows that's the most probably important stat that we can and guess at is, is minutes per game. Because, you know, we're trying to accumulate stats on our team. We're trying to get the most points or rebounds or assists. And, and players obviously have to play minutes to, to get those stats. And so, you know, in our iteration this time is I, I went ahead and made a projection of all the playing time and then Probably the reason these these projections are are good and and so valuable is we sent it out to all of the writers at Rotowire and had them all review it and some of them have very specific um, allegiances to teams or they follow teams very closely and so they were able to look at 
you know, their specific team or their division that they followed and and help us make sure that we had all the rotations looking correctly. That's interesting. And it's interesting on a lot of levels because, you know, th- this whole conversation, we're styling it about fantasy basketball and, you know, how people should play fantasy basketball, which is this thing that seems separate from real basketball. But what you were just describing, this whole per possession stat approach is exactly the p- uh, approach that kind of the Moneyball, uh, sabermetrics type um, real NBA analysts are, are, are using as they try to break down players. Um, it's the approach that, you know, got uh, uh, John Hollinger a job as a general manager of, of, the, um, of the Grizzlies. So, um, you know, w- would you say that in doing these types of, of projections and, and really looking at players on a fantasy level that, that uh, you get a better idea of um, that they're – their caliber is actual NBA players? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Hollinger, and, and he inspired a lot of this work that that I do anyway. And so um, I think, you know, it's been my experience, and maybe I'm biased, that the fantasy analysts who kind of dig into the data and look at it and try to find different ways, use the money ball techniques or the advanced stat techniques, sometimes have uh, more insights than the the real NBA analysts who, who take a – more general approach to it. You know, I think we're able to find players who uh, produce really efficient stats, maybe on a per possession basis, and then we can watch out for those players and kind of uh, you know, keep an eye on them. And then when they start to get minutes, we can see that that production translate into, uh, into more of a, a, a big stat line that, that uh, would be noticed on a national level or a real NBA analyst level. And what's great is when you're doing fantasy advanced analysis versus just basketball advanced statistical analysis, there's a lot of stuff that can't be captured in the game when you're doing basketball analysis. But with fantasy, since it's based on a set, it's kind of based on a set rubric of different statistics, you're able to just focus on those statistics. You don't have to worry about all the the kind of basketball physics things, stuff like that. But there's still got to be plenty of variables that you have to factor in that can't really be measured by field goal percentage or even PER and stuff like that. And injuries is a thing that comes to mind for me. Absolutely. Uh, And so you'll notice one of the questions that we get when people look at our projections are, you know, how is player, you've got five guards projected for more than 96 minutes per game. You know, how is that possible? And, you know, we try to take, we try to reduce our projections for the players that are a little more injury prone, but but in general, we're not going to project that Paul George is going to break his leg and miss all 82 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes the injuries are just just a fluke. Um, and uh, I guess speaking of injuries, and um, we, we've gone through the, the, the basic concepts and we've talked a little bit, you know, we put our nerd hats on and talked a little bit about <laughs> numbers. So let's, now let's start getting to the fun part. Um, yeah. So the MVP race in the actual NBA for the last several years has been between LeBron and Durant. Um, so who do you project to be the fantasy MVP this year? Well, that, that question just became very interesting, and, and you guys are, are well aware of this as well. But Kevin Durant, even though it's been a real-life maybe debate, and maybe it hasn't been, maybe LeBron has just all been the better player, but last year at least it was a debate. But in fantasy realms, the production that – Kevin Durant gives you has has been better than LeBron James for a long time. And so up until a few days ago when he broke his foot, I mean, it, it's an easy 
it's an easy, easy call. It's Kevin Durant. He's by far the best fantasy player in, in probably any sport. With his injury, though, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, the, the two guys that you would that come to mind next are LeBron James, who's he's been second for a long time and then kind of coming right up on his heels and, and in some places has passed him is Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he, he produces such a unique stat line of really high percentages, good rebounds, good points and blocks, which is a pretty rare stat to get in fantasy, uh, especially in combination with somebody who doesn't uh, hurt your free throw percentage a la Dwight Howard. Uh, so because of those traits, he's become a lot more valuable. And, and in some, like I said, in some circles, he's probably going first overall now uh, because Durant is out. Yeah, so th- there were a few interesting things in what you just said. So let, let, let's start at the top. Um, what is it? Why, what is it that makes Kevin Durant such a better fantasy uh, player than LeBron James, even if LeBron is arguably the better player in real life? So one, one easy way to think about it is that, uh, you know, defense isn't really accounted for. I mean, usually a fantasy league will have steals and blocks, but LeBron has, you know, traditionally been one of the very best defenders in the league, especially, you know, come playoff time. And, and Durant has maybe worked his way up to being an average or an above average defender, but has probably never been the caliber of LeBron James on that end of the floor. Well, in fantasy, that, that doesn't matter as much. The other thing that is really valuable is that one of the categories that counts for a lot is is free throw percentage. And not only does Durant shoot nearly 90%, but he takes more free throws than everybody else in the in the league. And so when you're looking at your free throw percentage by by team, by fantasy team, he can pretty much carry you in that category. And LeBron is is kind of a average or below average free throw percentage shooter. So when you take those two things into account, Durant, Durant has typically been, you know, head and shoulders above LeBron in fantasy. Okay. So, you know, speaking, you know, that was a great point about Durant's free throw percentage and, and, uh, you know, and its impact. So, um, what about the anti Durant that you mentioned a few minutes ago? Um, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard is also (laughs) thought of as, is one of the best players in the NBA. He's normally, um, even if he's maybe not quite as lustrous as he was when he was in Orlando, when people thought he might have been one of the top three or four players in the NBA, um, he's still a, a very good player in real life. Do you want him on your on your rotisserie team? Yeah, that's a that's a big no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, so you mentioned rotisserie, and, and there is a couple of different ways to play fantasy basketball, but. But in a rotisserie league where you're you're aggregating all of your stats for over the course of a season, he's he's the anti Kevin Durant. That's a perfect way to say it. Andre is he is going to he shoots so many free throws and he shoots so poorly that it almost doesn't matter who else you have on your team. You're going to finish near the bottom of your fantasy league in that category, and that's that's pretty difficult to overcome. So even though there's blocks and rebounds that are coming from Dwight Howard. And, you know, which makes him one of the best players in the NBA. It's a it's a struggle to own him. In fact, in a in our RotoWire rankings, we have him as the hundred and nineteenth player, <laughs> uh, which is probably a, you know a fair criticism of fantasy basketball. I think that's one thing that people point to and say, you know, Dwight Howard's not the hundred and twentieth best player in in the NBA. Why are you playing a game where he's the hundred and twentieth best player? 
Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And, and it's something that, you know, I would run into in years past, as you were just mentioning. You do the initial projections, and then you run them through your formula to see what your rankings are based off of your projections. And at the end of the day, Dwight Howard <laughs> would come out like 198 <laughs> or something. Yeah. And people are reading it like, okay, we have to move Howard up some. Like, we, we maybe we don't put him at the top, but it just looks funny to have him so low. But, I mean, that's that's one of the things, one of the reasons why Rotowire is important, right, is that that what you might think just off the top of your head isn't always true when you're trying to prepare for your fantasy league. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I think that there is a lot of value in in looking at it that way on ESPN, which I think is is a normal host site for fantasy basketball. And I just I'm not trying to pick on them. I just looked up where they have players ranked. They have him ranked like 26th. And so even though that may be where he ranks in real life, and and that's a fine place to to think about him in in the court in the con, construct of the whole NBA. Uh, if you take him 26th on your fantasy team you're probably not going to win. <laughs> yeah, that makes him a second, third rounder. And, and yeah, you're going to be struggling with that. So is Dwight Howard the most overrated player in fantasy basketball history? <laughs> There's, I think you can make an excellent argument that that's the case. Now, uh, there is a couple of ways to play fantasy basketball. And one of them is, is to play a rotisserie league. And one of them is to play a head-to-head league, which is a little bit more along the lines of a fantasy football style where you're matching up with a single team. And in that sort of a, a format, um, free throw percentage is not going to kill you like it does in a rotisserie format. And so in that sort of a league, Dwight is actually pretty valuable because you can say, okay, I'm not going to worry about free throw percentage. I'm just going to lose that one. But that's one category. If I have Dwight, I'm going to win my rebounds. I'm going to win my blocks. I have a good chance to win field goal percentage. And he's going to be so dominant in those places, he kind of makes up for, for losing me that one category. Well, let's look at it from a rotisserie perspective. Who else would you put in the class of, let's say, overrated as far as their level of stardom compared to their fantasy value? Because I've got to imagine that maybe Iverson was up there considering the field goal percentage a lot of the time and the turnover rate. Yeah, he's a good one if you think about historically uh, players that were maybe overrated. I I was not thinking about Iverson when I when I was preparing for this podcast, so I'm looking up his uh, his ranking right now. But some players currently that are probably overranked, and and I, I hate to say it because he's one of my favorite guys, is Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, oh, and he's interesting. Not, it's not to the degree Dwight Howard is. But he usually goes right, you know, a first round pick. And that kind of makes sense if you watch basketball. And you, certainly if you watch the playoffs last year, he was so dominant. I mean, he, he almost took out the Rockets by himself. And it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Well, him, I assume him not taking threes and taking 22 foot two, two point shots. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So he doesn't have the free throw issue that Dwight Howard does. But it's the field goal percentage, you know, from your big guys, from from your Blake Griffins and your Serge Ibaka's who are going to shoot 54 percent and really help your team in that area to a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, who's going to shoot around, you know, 46, 45 percent. It's it's a challenge to have him on your team. And then to think about adding guards to that team who are also going to be poor in that in those categories. 
Well, so there's this, there's been this whole revolution of fours and even fives that are shooting the three ball, and it feels like it's at an unprecedented level in league history, but I feel like fantasy would be able to quantify that better than anything. So do you feel with guys like Ibaka, Net Davis, uh, it looks like he's going to be a three-point shooter, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin might even be shooting some three balls now. I mean, there's a lot of great fours that are able to shoot the three, and is that making a huge impact fantasy-wise? Yeah, you kind of have to shift what you think is a good level, and, and maybe the what I would equate that to. I hate to keep bringing up football because we're we're definitely talking basketball here, but you know, in football, uh, passing yards has taken a huge leap forward, and so what used to be a good passing season from a quarterback is an okay passing season. What used to be okay is now bad, and I think the same thing is true for three point percentage. It used to be it used to be centralized in a few key players. So Reggie Miller was really valuable a long time ago. Um, but now everybody's shooting threes and the players who shoot threes shoot a lot of threes, you know, Damian Lillard's and your Steph Curry's are shooting more threes than, than have ever been a shot historically. And so you, more than anything, as somebody who's been playing fantasy for a long time, you kind of have to move up what you think is a good amount of three pointers. And maybe that's okay now. And what used to be great is just good. And, and, and you're going to get it from a lot of different sources rather than, you know, maybe before you had to take one three-point specialist because that's kind of what's going to be the only place you would get it from, and now you're getting it throughout your lineup. If you don't get three-pointers from your point guard or from your small forward, you're probably in a hole. Yeah. Well, it's like passing guards. 4,000 yards used to be this huge, huge, like, threshold that if you're over 4,000, it makes you an elite quarterback. Now if you're not over 4,000, you're barely even, like, capable as a starting quarterback unless you're running for 800 yards like guys like Wilson and Kaepernick exactly. are doing. But it's like 153 pointers used to be this incredible threshold, but that, that no longer feels the case. Exactly. That's a great that's a great way to think about it. When you're playing fantasy basketball, specifically rotisserie, um, the way rotisserie works it is cumulative over the course of the season and it's cumulative for your team. So used to your team for a full season, you know, pick an arbitrary number, say that if your team had 700 three pointers for the course of a season, that might have been enough to get you first place before. And you might get 200 three-pointers from Ray Allen by himself. Um, and so if you had him, you you had a leg up. But now, if instead of 700, in order to win, your team has to have 1,000, that's why you have to have these uh, power forwards that can shoot the three. They, they give you a leg up on just getting to the, the overall higher number now than, you used to, uh, than what you used to have to get. Yep. And, that, I mean, that's a good thought. That's kind of where Aldridge – fells on both ends right he doesn't he's not taking the Blake Griffin shots where he's around the rim and dunking a lot and he's not taking Kevin Love shots where he's shooting a bunch of three-pointers he's kind of you know he's taking mid-range jumpers and he's good at it but it it doesn't necessarily trans to the translate to fantasy value and so you know we have him we have him in the mid-20s instead of in the first round in the top 10 or 12 picks okay so we've mentioned Dwight Howard we mentioned Aldridge are there any other um uh big name players that you think might be a little overrated uh, this year in, in fantasy drafts? So there's two guys that I would, I would say, and, and they have huge asterisks by their name and that's Rose, Derek Rose and Kobe Bryant. And I think it's probably obvious why their fantasy value is different because they're both coming off of huge injuries. And, you know, we're seeing them in ESPN leagues go in basically the second round in the mid twenties. 
And the truth is for both of those guys, they were a little bit probably overrated before in fantasy because, because of turnovers and low field goal percentage. And so maybe that's the, if everything goes right this season, maybe that's the very peak of their, of their possible outcomes is to, to end up as a 25th or 26th best player. Um, and so what, what, what we're seeing people do is take those players at the very peak of their value, of their possible value, and they're not really factoring in the fact that Rose hasn't played for a couple of years and Kobe hasn't really played for, you know, several at all last season and, and almost none the, the season before. So those are two guys, you know, we have closer to 100 than we do to, to where they're going in the mid-20s right now. And basically we're saying stay away from those guys. They're too big of injury risk. They're not – the upside is not there. They're not worth the risk to take. Well, I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Derrick Rose just as far as getting their hopes up for him as a basketball fan or basketball analyst. I mean, he's the, – the repeated injuries are just so scary when you're talking about two season-long injuries. There's just legitimate concern about the viability of Rose's career going forward. And he looks good so far. He obviously looks rusty, as you would expect, but he looks good so far. But what, what kind of – like, what do you take out of preseason action that – how does that affect your projection if it's a guy that's coming off a repeated catastrophic injury as far as instilling more confidence in his ability to perform? You know, I think that if you ask different fantasy analysts, they might have a different opinion on this, but I really don't put a lot of stock into preseason. Um, you know, you see people tweet out or or say this person, you know, I, I think back to just a few days ago, Rudy Gobert had 20 rebounds for the Utah Jazz. And so, and then right after that, we see him go in a bunch of fantasy drafts. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump in right there just for a second because, um, you know, this year uh, I went to Vegas for the summer league. And Rudy Gobert looks like a monster in person. Like, I, I was watching that league. I watched, <laughs> like, Utah was playing against Milwaukee. And so I was expecting to be wowed by Jabari Parker or, you know, uh, Trey Burke was playing. Um, you Dante know, Exum. Yeah, Dante Exum was playing. Uh, okay, I'm going to go for his name. Giannis Antikampim... The, the Greek freak. He, he was playing I like too. your, I like your version of it. Yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. Antetokounmpo. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like it when you say it. But, you know, there were all of these, these named players, and Rudy Gobert was the best player on the court. Like, it was just... There, there were... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to cut that part. Yeah, I'll edit that out. Little people upstairs. <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife is playing goalie, trying to keep the baby from coming down. But um, okay, <clears throat> and scene. No, Rudy Gobert was. I mean, he was the best player out there. And you know, and when I say that in in a in a summer league or in a um a preseason, sometimes you can get players that just show up well in in that type of format, and it, it doesn't translate. But the way he was playing well really made me feel like at some point, I think this season, if Utah smart, Rudy Gobert is going to get on the court because, I mean, that guy is good. Now, to your point, um, the Jazz also have these guys named, you know, uh, Derek Favors and Ennis Cantor. So Gobert probably isn't going to get the minutes to, to be anywhere near 20 rebounds anytime soon. Um, so in that respect, you know, the preseason can overrate him. But uh you know, on my deep sleeper future list, uh, I'm I, after watching him this summer. I've got Gobert up there because I think that guy's gonna—he's got a future in this league. 
Yeah, certainly. I've been to, I live in Salt Lake, so I go to jazz games occasionally and, and maybe you have the same reaction as I did, which was basketball players are all tall. Oh my and goodness. Then, and, and then there's Rudy Gobert. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like taller than every one of them. But yeah, I mean, you, well, back to what I was saying earlier, minutes is the most important stat in fantasy basketball. Rudy Gobert is going to get a lot of rebounds per possession. He projects, I think, I, I was talking about him the other day. I think he projects for 18 rebounds and five blocks per 100 possessions. And so if he could get on the court, certainly he would be very valuable. And so from that perspective, it wasn't surprising to see his high rebound total. There's just very unlikely that he would get enough minutes to make a difference. And so that's why I say preseason I don't get too caught up in because coaches are playing. I was watch, I looked at the Cavs box score the other day, and they played 18 players. In, in their in their exhibition game and so how you know you're not going to get anything from that to know what their rotation is going to look like or who's going to get those minutes we have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do on a per possession basis if we look at the last four years so there's nothing that a small sample size of two or three games is going to tell us on a per possession basis and since there's not a lot to be gleaned from the rotations i i just kind of ignore it unless there's an injury or unless a coach says something like this is going to be our starter and it and it was something that we're not expecting we don't i don't really uh, adjust our our projections based on a, a performance like that well there's probably not going to be a lot of teams playing 18 players in one game this year <laughs> <laughs> considering the roster limit is what a uh, 12 so, active players 12, for tonight yeah. so yeah hard, hard to get hit that number although maybe the fans will have to start suiting up if there's enough injuries <laughs> but, yeah you're talking about Gobert and like per possession numbers, but the thing is, his possessions are going to be low because he's stuck behind Cantor, and exactly they want to play him, and they're definitely going to give him minutes, and it's going to eat into Cantor's minutes, and it's going to eat into Favors' minutes a little bit. But Cantor, he's good. He's good. He's not turning into the kind of the Brook Lopez type center they were hoping he would become, but there's still potential for it. But they're looking at Gobert and they're saying, we've got this super high potential player sitting behind Cantor. And what type of moves do we have to make? I mean, obviously, they're not going to do the three big man lineup that they experimented with. <laughs> Jefferson and Millsap. You can't pull that off with Gobert and Cantor as much as I like those guys. But the point of this is that one of those two centers could be on their way out of town at some point this year. So how do you how do you factor in the possibility of a trade and how you how does that affect your projection? Do you have to ignore it and just go based off of what the roster is now, or can you actually factor that in into your statistical projection? We try to think about it a little bit. So probably the the best scenario that we thought of or where we can apply that this offseason was with you know the Boston Celtics and Rajon Rondo. We kind of have to think of what I try to do is think about the possible scenarios. So after we put them on a per, a per possession basis, think about what's the maximum amount of minutes he can play. What's the minimum amount of minutes he can play? What's a what's maybe a, a baseline? And, and so when you're fact when you're thinking about that for a player like Rondo, as you're thinking about best and worst case scenarios, I think you have to factor in the the, the idea that he could be traded, he could be on a different team, or he could be with the Celtics. Still, and, and so I would say it's pretty minimal, but for some of the high profile guys that seem more likely to be traded or not than not, we have to we try to have to think about it a little bit. One of the biggest things that we have to factor in there is that teams play at a different pace. So if we're looking at everything on a per possession basis, Philadelphia gets about a hundred possessions per game, where the Memphis Grizzlies get about eighty nine possessions per game. And so if a team switches from somebody 
or if a player switches from a team that plays really fast, a really quick pace to a, a, a team that plays really slow pace, that, that and alone will hurt his fantasy value. Yeah, so a, a lot can be done with these per possession numbers. You know, we've, we've talked about your projections and, and how that's kind of the, the baseline. So um, one way I've always used per, proje- per possession numbers for, especially for young players, is to, to try to look for who might be that next breakout guy. Like, for instance, a couple years ago in his rookie year, Andre Drummond was putting up absurd per per possession numbers. I mean, yeah. it was like if, if you if you put his per possession numbers on like a forty minute type uh, model, he was like a twenty twenty guy. Um, but as a rookie, he was only playing say twenty minutes a game, so it didn't look so impressive raw value. But it, it, you know, it shines the light that hey this guy is going to start getting more minutes. Maybe he's a future sleeper. And so last year he, he started to show that. And for me personally, um, he, along with uh, the Greek freak, whose name I'm not going to try again, <laughs> are, are two of my favorite breakout fantasy type guys for this year. They, they have the potential to be superstars. So what about you? Who are your favorite uh, sleepers for this year and, 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 and why? So there's a couple of different ways to look at this, and I maybe you're maybe you're being really nice to me because I just uh, I wrote an article on who if we looked at everything just by possession who would who would be the most valuable players in fantasy, and tried to look at players who are outside of going outside of uh, standard leagues right now, but who would rank in the top 100 if they were uh, if they if we equalized all the possessions among all the players. And so one of the players that ended up really high on our list, I think second highest of, of that group was Kelly Olenek. Uh, so it might be interesting to, to Celtic wow. listeners. Uh, he, so he was, he's going in fantasy drafts in about, you know, outside the 200s in Yahoo. I think he's at 178 ESPN. He's at 215. But if we looked at everything on a per possession basis, he would be the 61st best fantasy player. So, you know, he's a guy and he's a guy that I look at and say, I don't know exactly what the Celtics roster construction is going to be. I don't know what their rotation is going to be. And so he's a guy that I would put on the end of my bench in a fantasy league because I know on a per possession basis, he's very valuable. If he gets those minutes, he's going to really do well. Another guy who used to be a top fantasy guy and uh, really struggled last year and is going in about the same range is Kevin Garnett. A lot of people think Kevin Garnett really was was bad last year and washed up, and and maybe even by the eye test that's a little bit true, but in a stats environment on a per possession basis, he was he was the 63rd best player in in fantasy basketball last year. It's just that he didn't get the minutes that he normally gets, and so he's another guy that I'm looking at. Okay, coach Coach Kidd is gone, and his rotation philosophy is gone, and and Lionel Hollins is back, or is on the on the bench now and he's a guy who plays his his main guys a lot of minutes he's already said Garnett's going to get a lot of minutes he's another guy that I'm looking at he's not going to break out he's not going to do better than he normally does he's just going to get a few more minutes and he's going to be a lot more valuable than he was last year I'm sorry I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a minute to collect my jaw off the floor after that <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense I mean he's a he's a solid passer he hits, he hits three point shots and he's getting better consistently at that over the course of the year, his rebounding is is not there, but it's 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 coming around, and you can see that he was a guy that he he put he took a pretty solid leap forward after the All Star break. But to hear that he's already that high is kind of shocking. 
Yeah, and, and again, kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's the a lot of it's the three point percentages. I mean, the three point shooting from a center position. He's he's somebody. If I'm playing somebody who has Andre Drummond, I'm gonna have a huge advantage in in three pointers. Now they're gonna have an advantage in in rebounds, but you can kind of see how that balances out. So it's just a it you know once again comes back to if he gets enough minutes, he should be he should be very good. And it appears that he's going to be the starting center, barring any significant changes in play. So that that, that really is propelling him forward. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. So we have him right now at 26 minutes a game. And if that's the case, we probably need to bump him up to maybe 28 or 30 minutes a game. And that will boost him in our in our rankings. And the funny thing about that is, I mean, this is a Celtics show. We got, we got to talk a little Celtics, is that... Kelly could be the starting center, and that would be an accurate projection for minutes, 20 to 30. But most starting centers in the league play more than that. But with the Celtics, because of the state of affairs that they're in and the fact that Olenek isn't a viable center, but he's a good, he's the best option they have right now, and they've got a few different guys <laughs> they want to mix in there, you, you're not imagining him playing 36 minutes a game right now. No. I mean, yeah, we the, the way that we set our projections and the way that – is, is the best for us to kind of think about it is if you can reasonably argue both sides of it, then I feel like we've gotten in, in the right spot. So, you know, you might, are, we might have some Celtics fans say if he's going to start, he's going to get 34 minutes a game. And then some people say, you know, he sucks. He's only going to play 25 minutes a game. And, and so that kind of feels about right to us. If, if we can get it in a place where you can reasonably argue for more and reasonably argue for less, that's probably where we're going to stick him. And so that's an important thing, you know, kind of as we step back and talk about general fantasy stuff, we work really hard on the projections. We put a lot of thought into it, but we try to make things as, as kind of a middle baseline scenario for each player. In other words, we're not just going to go crazy and say, I have a hunch this guy is just going to be awesome this season. And so if you have that hunch, go ahead and take that guy above where everybody else is taking him. That's part of the fun of this is that you get to say to your friends and buddies who you're playing with, nobody else saw this coming, but me. And I called it, I put him on my fantasy team and now I'm winning because of that. Oh, I've been riding in my fantasy football league. The fact that I took Gronk at <laughs> one uh, of his rookie season. I've, I've been taking that with me everywhere I go pretty much. So. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff that is fun about fantasy. And so, you know, people get tied to these projections and they think, well, somebody who's spent a lot more time on than me on this thinks that this is right. So I'm just going to go with that. And that's true to a certain case, certain extent, but you know, have fun with it too. Like it should be a fun game. And if you think somebody's going to be awesome, if you think Jared Solinger is going to be the man this year, then go ahead and take him. So, okay, you brought up Rondo before. Can you tell us something about Rondo that you understand from uh, the, from your advanced analysis of his numbers that maybe most people don't just watching him and looking at the box score? That's that's an interesting question. I mean, kind of the interesting thing about Rondo and fantasy is that in the two two methods that we that we typically play in rotisserie and head to head is he's a much different player because he is so good in assists. I mean, so in our projections, we projected exactly one player to to average over 11, ten assists a game, and that was Rondo. Chris Paul is is close. He's at like nine and a half, and there's a few other people up there, and we have Rondo at eleven. And, and so his assists per possession is so much higher than everybody else in the league, even an elite guy like Chris Paul, that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. 
that we kind of did a double take. Are we really going to have somebody so far above everybody else in assists? Like we, we probably would prefer to not step out on a ledge like that, but the, the, you know, his historical performance backs that up. He's also an elite guy in stills. And so in a head to head league where you're just playing against one team each week, those are super valuable and, and cause Rondo to be probably a second round pick. But in a rotisserie league where you have to factor in, uh, you know, how he's going to affect your percentages a little bit more and how he's going to do on your, uh, how he's going to affect your turnover rate. He's probably with this latest injury, that's going to reduce the number of games that he's going to give you. He's probably not a one, a top 100 player. So that's maybe the other thing to point out in fantasy basketball. There's a big difference between the, the two types of games. It's a similar story to, to what you what we said earlier with Howard. You know, exactly. In a head-to-head league, he's really good. In a rotisserie league, he's anchor, poison, toxic. You know, it's just it's, <laughs> it's just it's, it's two different methodologies. And and one thing with Rondo that you didn't mention, but that, that you know shows up in fantasy. We talked a lot about the the importance of the three-point shooting. How even the big yeah, men have to exactly. give you three-point shooting. But traditionally, your guards are where you get the most three-point shooting from, but not from Rondo. You know, so not only can you have the case where somebody like Howard misses a lot of free throws and directly brings your 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 score down, you can also have a case like Rondo with threes where the absence of something that you would expect that position to give also um, weakens him as a fantasy candidate. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah. I'm great. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, OK, well, um, you know, I guess uh, as, as we start uh, bringing this to a close, um, we, we've talked a lot about different aspects of, of fantasy, but we haven't really talked about the actual draft, which is kind of the, the, the big starting mark, how you draft is going to really shape your season. So um, what type of strategies do you have when you're drafting? Do you just go for best player available? Do you try to build by position? Do you build by category? You know, how do you approach this? This is probably my favorite part about fantasy basketball is that is that team construction is pretty important in fantasy basketball. In other words, you can't just take all of the all of the top rebounding guys and feel like your team is going to be okay, especially in rotisserie leagues, you need to kind of spread out your value. And so what I try to do is balance those categories. So if in the first round I take a guy like Chris Paul, for example, who's going to be a really good assist guy and a really good sills guy but maybe not elite in points i'm going to look to take a guy in the next round like blake griffin who who's not going to get a lot of assists but he is going to he's going to score a lot of points and and kind of balance out chris paul's production and so it's not the case like in fantasy football where the team with the most valuable players is always going to win it's it's a lot of time going to be the team that's most balanced across the categories that you use and so you, you've got to pay attention to, to all of the different categories and make sure in the draft, hey, I haven't taken a point guard for a little while. My assists are going to be low. I might need to drop down on the rankings a little bit and find a guy who's going to get me assists. How do you, how do you approach it, Andre? Yeah, so um, generally I kind of take best player available for maybe the first three to five mm-hmm. rounds um, just to kind of get – an idea of, of what my team's personality is going to be. You know, I go for talent early. But after that, once I, once I see, if I look up and after five rounds, I've got three elite power forwards 
one center and one small forward, then maybe in round six through 10, I start looking more for perimeter help, more for guards and, and start factoring in categories and, and positional scarcity and, and things into the mix. So it is, I guess my approach is a little bit more fluid. Um, and, you know, <laughs> we could have <laughs> here for another hour if we start getting into to different strategies because, you know, you have situations where you don't get what you wanted. Like maybe you look up and all the shot blockers are gone and you don't have enough uh, block shots. You know, do you think about trying to punt that category? Do you try to arrange your team differently? You know, it's, it's it, yeah, it, exactly. There, there, there's, there are kind of a lot of, of different levels to, to, to this and, and a lot of approaches to take. And so um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm with Mark that, that the draft is one of my favorite parts of doing fantasy because it's just it's it's a lot more involved than um what you would see in a, in a common football draft so what's your plan if you have a bad draft how do you recover throughout the season you know basketball is a little bit harder than football in that respect because basketball you know for a basketball player if he goes out like if kevin durant goes out his backup, whether it's Jeremy Lamb or Perry Jones or whoever, is not going to come in like maybe a backup running back and give you Kevin Durant numbers. Right. There's no handcuff value. Exactly. And so you're not, you know, you can't just go and pick up a bunch of handcuff running backs and hope that it's going to work out for you. Uh, I mean, just to be being active in fantasy basketball is, is, is pretty key. Watching for guys who are getting minutes who weren't expected to get minutes at the beginning of the season is probably your best bet. So pay attention to the waiver wire. Look at guys who are maybe inserted into the starting lineup. You know, and and this back to kind of the article that I wrote earlier is I've identified a bunch of guys in this rotowire column that are really good on a per possession basis, but don't typically get minutes. And so those are the type of guys that you'll want to go out and target. Uh, and of course, you can make trades and things like that. I guess I've I've found too that that if you end up with a bad situation out the draft in basketball. Um, as he said, being active is a great way to, to, to try to make up for that um, because maybe more so than in football, in basketball, you will get those kind of breakout guys early that, that you didn't see coming. Whereas in football, you kind of have an idea who the starting running back is going to be, who the starting quarterback is going to be. But, you know, you, you, you might not always know that in, uh, who, who's going to be the big producers in basketball. So, so that's important. And then the other is just to, to be flexible and to know the rules of, of, of the game you're playing. Um, if you're playing in a rotisserie league, then, then, you know, maybe it might be a little bit more complicated. But if you're playing in a head-to-head league, um, then maybe you can say, all right, was well, nine categories playing head-to-head. I only have to win five each week. So, yeah, that's a great point. You know, maybe I completely punt two or three categories. If I've only got one or two good big men um, and I'm going to lose rebounds and blocks anyway – then maybe I trade those two for some really good guards to try to overemphasize um, assists and steals and threes to make sure that I have five categories I know I can win every week. So even if I don't have the strongest team, um, as long as no, as long as your well-rounded team can't beat my uh, five categories, then then I still win. So you know you just have to be flexible in your approach. Mark, so I'm drafting and. I want to be smart at the top of the draft. I want to find that one great steal in the first few rounds. Who Who is your guy or guys at this year's draft that you're thinking, this is the guy that you want to not go all at at first and kind of sit back and grab this guy a couple rounds in? 
So some of the guys that we have ranked in our our top ten that that aren't typically ranked in in the top ten in in uh, on ESPN or Yahoo are guys like uh, we mentioned him earlier, Andre Drummond and uh, Damian Lillard. And it's probably easy to to once you think about it to see why those guys are very elite in a few categories. Like Damian Lillard is an excellent three point shooter. He may very well compete with Curry to shoot the most three pointers in the league, uh, and he scores a lot of points. He's an excellent free throw percentage guy. So I think that's maybe one guy that ESPN is a little bit behind on that is probably a first-round talent that you can grab in the second round. And the same thing with Drummond. He's gonna he's a guy who's going to get a lot of rebounds, a lot of blocks. You know, he's he probably going to lead the league in rebounds again. Uh, he's a guy that is probably worth a first-round pick that you're going to be able to get in the second round. A little farther down on my list is a guy that uh, be near and dear to Celtic fan hearts is Paul Pierce. Uh, he's going outside of, the, of of most drafts, and we have him ranked in the in the 50s on our on our draft board. And so that's a fifth round pick that you can get, basically at the very end of drafts. I think that's a that's probably the best value in in all in the in the whole draft. <laughs> okay, I've got to say it. I've got to say it. The captain <laughs> and the truth <laughs> and the geriatric. <laughs> and that as well. No, but seriously, I mean, who would have thought at age 37 that Paul Pierce would be the most like the most valuable guy in all of fantasy, right? I mean, that's pretty shocking. But if you look at his numbers last year, they weren't at the potent level that they were in Boston, but they were still very well balanced and they were pretty steady. And he's got the same thing going as as Kevin Garnett. Uh, Jason Kidd ran such a deep rotation, and he tried to save his his veterans for the playoffs, which is a, you know, I think is a great strategy, but for fantasy, that is not great. That's, you know, Pierce is not going to get the minutes, but now he's in a more solidified role in Washington. Uh, I, you know, we think he's going to get more minutes. He was pretty valuable last year to be totally honest. And we think that that's just going to bump up this year. He's certainly not worth the, I think he's, his average draft position on ESPN is 139th, which is outside of a 10 team league. You, You know, you normally draft 130 players. So I think he's been on every draft that I've done this year, unless there's been another rotor wire guy in with me who's <laughs> taken him. He, I've gotten him in every single team, and and usually towards the end of the draft. So or he's you, an out, outstanding value. You forgot also Celtics beat listeners. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we were not educated. Yeah, see, that That's was one right. of the things that I always used to hate when I did the projections is if I was in a draft where people used my projections, then they would take <laughs> all my sleepers. And I would be like, that, that's just not fair. That's not right, and I don't, I don't appreciate it. So, yes. so yeah, now, now all Celtics beat listeners. Um, you can't be in my fantasy league this year. <laughs> all right, we, we got to wrap this interview up, but this is kind of something that we've been generally kind of floating around, basically, but especially earlier in this conversation. But, Mark, what do you think needs to be fixed about fantasy basketball or even fantasy sports in general? What needs to be modernized to kind of uh, take advantage of a lot more information that we have now or just generally habits that fantasy has sunk into in general that should be improved upon? The, the number one piece of advice I can give any fantasy league in any sport to try to make their league funner is to do an auction draft rather than the, the traditional snake draft where you maybe have picks – you have the first pick in the first round and the last pick in the, in the second round. In an auction draft, there, there's bidding on every single player. So somebody will nominate LeBron James, and then whoever's willing to spend the most the, the most money of their budget on LeBron James gets that player. 
I've recommended that for years and years to everybody who plays fantasy, and I've never had one person tell me I prefer snake drafts. Everybody's like, I wish I would have known about this sooner. It's it's so much fun. So, that, I mean, that's one thing. You can talk about categories that you can change in fantasy basketball. Like, there probably should be a way to get Dwight Howard to be not the worst player on the, on your team. <laughs> uh, and maybe that's switching free throw percentage for uh, field goals made. And, you know, you certainly can tinker that with that uh, in your individual leagues. But I would say the number one thing for people to have a, a funner experience with fantasy is to use an auction draft. We have the computer. We have the technology now. We don't need to sit there like we're in a room and just go pick by pick. Let's Auctions are, are so much fun. And I think, you know, anybody who – who can at least give it a try will will be hooked. And for you, if you're doing a league with friends, how crucial is the in-person draft experience? I mean, my my favorite league every year, we get together in person and and it's that's the reason it's my favorite league. We get together and we all have our laptops and we do an auction draft and it's fun to just sit and uh you know, maybe I know I, I play with a lot of my older brothers and I maybe know he loves one player. And I'll sit there and I'll keep bidding him higher and higher and higher because I know he wants that person. And you can just that. I mean, that's what's fun about fantasy sports is that you get to interact with your friends and family. Uh, I mean, certainly the NBA component is fun, but there's also that that friends and family component. And so I, I if, you, if it's possible, it just is a whole nother level of that experience to do it in person. Well, this was so much fun. I mean, I I haven't been doing fantasy the last couple of years for basketball, but I'm so unbelievably pumped right now to go. I'm going to go sign up for like 10 fantasy teams right now once we get off here. Well, maybe just good to mention is is ESPN and Yahoo have mock drafts that you can do. You know, Andre and I said that's the funnest part, and you can go just do a mock draft, have fun like that, and, uh, you know, you don't have to have the commitment of playing for the entire league. You can practice or whatever or just have some fun and – and if there's anybody out there that wants to try an auction draft and wants to do it with somebody they've heard talk about auction drafts, uh, you know, reach out to me on Twitter. I've, I've, I've wrote this in, in a couple of my articles, and the same thing goes here. If anybody wants to do an auction draft together, mock auction, I, I'd be happy to jump in with you, and we can, we can talk about it there. I okay, think I'll, and I'll probably just join your league and try to figure out if my <laughs> brother's favorite player is an outbid him on it. <laughs> All right, so um, let them know again. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, but how can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, so it's Mark F. Roberts, and Mark is spelled with a C. So like Mark Gasol. All okay, so right. He, he is the Marcus Soul of Rotowire.com. <laughs> he's, run, he's running play I'll, from the high pitch. I will here. take it. <laughs> okay, I wait, will bef- take it. Before we let you go, what do you what is what do we need to go to your website for? What is the thing you got out there on Rotowire right now that we need to go check out immediately? So right now we have all the player projections um, and all of the rankings and their auction values. Uh, one one thing that I've been contributing a lot in is the auction values. And in fact, right now. Rotowire is a pay site. Uh, you can get a free trial, and that's great. But some of my auction articles are for are free right now. So if you want to go check those out, you can type Rotowire, you know, Google search Rotowire Mark Roberts, and and I think almost all of the articles that I've written about auction drafts, and and that per possession article that I just mentioned, and some stuff about different rookies is all on there for free. So so it's a good opportunity to check out what Rotowire has without even making that that commitment i love it thank you for joining us mark roberts from worldwire.com absolute pleasure talking to you and meeting you man oh it was a pleasure pleasure's all mine
Our interview with Mark was brought to you by BeatsAndEats.net, food, comedy, pop culture, and more. That's BeatsAndEats.net. Now, around the NBA in five. New rules. League issues new rules. They are talking about new instant replay rules for out-of-bounds, for clear-path fouls, for flagrant fouls. What's your take, Andre? Um, I like it. I like that, you know, instant replay, I think it should be a part of the game because in this day and age, I think it stinks when an easily correctable call um, is something that can change the game uh, outcome. Um, they're not going maybe as far as I might like in everything, but I do like that, for instance, they don't, you no longer have to have the referee make a, uh, a, a call before he can look at the replay. He can, if he's unsure, he can, he can just look at the replay from, from jump. I like that. And I'm loving this too many players on the floor rule now because that happened once last year where there's uh, one or too many players on the floor. And now the opposing team gets to choose whether or not they want to nullify the play that happened. That's that's like some football stuff here. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Penalty declined. First down. All right. So Kevin Durant injury. He's out six to eight weeks at least. How does this affect the Western Conference? I think it's interesting because, you know, the West was already so top-heavy and, and OKC was having to compete to try to catch up, I guess, with the Spurs and keep up with the Clippers. So I, I think this could potentially cause them to slide a bit. Or the other thing that would be just as interesting is if um, Russell Westbrook were to channel last year's Kevin Durant and show that, you know, like the meme is always that, that Westbrook's presence is holding Durant back. Maybe Westbrook can show that, hey, you know what, I, I could do more too. So um, uh, it, it's something I'll definitely be watching. You know, what do you think? Well, the thing is, that team is so Durant-reliant that I'm just I'm not sure how they can rearrange their offense to be multifaceted because while they, while they do have a very potent offense, it really requires them that two-headed attack of Westbrook and Durant. So, so I'm interested to see how they're going to be able to replace that. How, how much Jeremy Lamb are we going to get now? How much Reggie Jackson are we going to get now? Is Steven Adams going to be taking threes? I mean, they're, they're going to need a lot of help with Durant out. Uh, but, you know, they're good enough that they can recover losing him for a month and a half. It won't, it, they'll, they'll be able to get by, but they're definitely not going to be a top two seed in the Western Conference this year, considering how good the Clippers and the Spurs are going to be. The amount of t- I, think, I just don't think they're going to be a really dominant team without Durant. Yeah, well, we'll certainly find out. So the league is going to shorten the Celtics game on Saturday between the Nets and the Celtics, 44 minutes. A lot of controversy, obviously. What do you think of this? I think that in general, um, I've gotten used to the 48-minute game. I've, you know, I've lived with it my whole life. Um, so to me, I don't know if that's the approach I would take to, to shorten things. Um, so I think as far as the game-to-game basis, I, I, I prefer that to stay as it is. Um, what about you? I'm loving that they're experimenting, and I think that's the important thing here. Is that Very true. Season, teams are experimenting with their own squads. Why can't the league experiment with the game itself? It's a great, it's a great idea just to see if anything benefits from it. I'd have to imagine that one extra minute a quarter probably isn't going to make a huge difference. I think the thing I'm really interested to see is how our team's going to adapt, how our rotation's going to change, all that kind of stuff. So it definitely will be fascinating. But the, if they want to get a real effect, it would be our last question for this segment. Should there be a shorter season? Now that is a, a, a different question and something that is worthy of, of exploration. You know, um, 
I, I talk about that, or we talk about that a lot um, on my road on the Rotowire radio show that teams are getting sharper. You know, they're they're spending more more effort on these uh, abermetrics, and 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 really, one of the the outcomes seems to be that the season's just too long. A player can't play his hardest for 82 games and still be fresh for the playoffs. So the teams that are ahead of that curve, like the Spurs, are resting their players, you know, intermittently throughout the season. Um, teams that maybe aren't as great might still, you'll, you'll see guys giving 70% effort some nights um, as opposed to playing hard all the time. So as a consumer of the product, if you could get players playing all 65 games really hard as opposed to 82 games pacing themselves, you could definitely make the argument to be a better product. And one thing that everybody will love, no more back-to-backs. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Chuck Dietz, Astrofax, and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guest Mark Roberts from rotowire.com. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, executive producer, Larry H. Russell, my co-host, Andre Snellings, I'm Jared Weiss. We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Celtics Beat exclusively on CLNS Radio.